This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. No! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway. What's up, guys? Like News Podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali, NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Adam Sporlane of Sports Radio 610. Adam, how you doing, man? Oh, good. It's been a bit of a day. That's all, that's all I'll say. It's been quite a day. It has been a bit of a day. This is actually take two of recording the podcast, so I, I'm already annoyed. Uh, but I'm definitely not as annoyed as you are. You had uh, your share of annoyance today with the amount of news that came out with Houston Sports today. Like, like today's one of those days where, like, I'm so thankful I only cover the Rockets and not these two other uh, Houston sports teams. Like, it's just been absolutely crazy the past 24 hours. Well, and even going back all of last week with the Texans and yeah, and then obviously you have the Rockets and then the Astros story today. Uh, yeah, it, it has not been easy to say the least. There's been a lot going on. I'll be glad when this whole thing comes to an end. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to briefly touch on this Astros thing. So it, it's it's just sad. Like a, a lot of people are going to come in and take their chance to dance on the Astros grave right now. And I get it. They're they're the, the, bad, the bad guys of the, the MLB. Like they're obviously really hated right now and regardless of the controversy regardless of the trash cans and the sign stealing and whatever the hell happened like this is just sad it's just sad because that 2017 championship meant so much to the city of houston like we know so we know a lot of people firsthand that were affected by the the floods in in hurricane harvey and the fact that you know, obviously, this is this is going to taint that to some degree, whether or not you agree with it or not. It's it's just it's just sad. It's just sad that like that's there's going to be an asterisk by that championship. Yeah, it's too bad, but the Astros brought it on themselves. In all honesty, um, what they did was wrong, and they're paying the price for it today, and they're going to pay the price for it for a long time. And it's just unfortunate that it's come to that. Whatever the case, it's just a bummer. It's just a bummer. Uh, again, I don't, I don't want to get into the particulars. Like, I realize I'm the last person to be talking Astros. Like, I'm, I'm a baseball novice. It, it's, just, it's just, it's just a bummer. As, as someone who lives in the city and pays attention to the team, it, it's just, it sucks. It sucks. But we have some other things to discuss. So, in a controversial decision, the Rockets decided to waive second-year forward Gary Clark last week. Um, a significant portion of Clark's contract was about to be guaranteed, and he was way before that could happen. Uh, what was reported afterwards was that Houston wanted to keep an open roster spot for a buyout candidate or even re-sign Clark to a new deal. Uh, I think a lot of people are having a tough time buying that. Adam, what was your initial reaction to this move? I was surprised by it in a way, but I also wasn't surprised. Um his role had he he didn't have much of a role on the team. Uh, he was one of the bottom guys on the roster, and 
they didn't want to guarantee his contract for the rest of the season, which makes sense when you consider like they're going to need a roster spot for either a buyout guy or a trade at some point down the road. And if you guarantee that contract now, all of a sudden you're looking to offload him to a team, and which means that you're going to have to give up an asset uh, just to get rid of them. And they didn't think that that was worth it. And, you know, in a sense, I don't blame them. I understand the thinking and that's just the business of the NBA. Yeah, so I tweeted something about this last week, and I was greeted by a lot of backlash from Rockets fans. What I said was basically, it's not the best look to waive him for flexibility and luxury tax reasons, but I just want for people to once entertain the idea that Clark might not be good. And what I meant by that was like fans were so convinced that not only was Gary Clark an NBA player, but that he deserved, that he was good enough to be in the rotation. And while all that was happening, I was just thinking, this guy might get waived next week. Like He, might, he may not be very good. Like... What has he conclusively shown that he deserves to play more than guys like Harden, Westbrook, Capella, Tucker, Gordon, House, McLemore, Hardenstein, Rivers, or even Clemens? That's nine guys I just listed that have a solid case of deserving minutes over Clark, and you only need eight guys to form an NBA rotation and seven come playoff time. So, like, the minutes he did receive from time to time, I, I just want to know what he what he did conclusively to prove that he was a bona fide NBA player. Like, I'm not defending the logic behind trying to put yourself in a position to duck the tax later on, but this idea that the Rockets will come back to rue the day, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not buying it. And if, if he does, if he does turn out to be awesome, like, that's fine. Like, I have no problem admitting that I'm wrong, and Gary can go ahead and retweet the tweet, and I'll be the first to congratulate him. I'm not actively rooting for Gary to fail. I want all NBA players in the NBA to succeed, but, like, it doesn't work like that. The NBA is hard, and some players aren't good enough. Like, it, it's just, that's just the way it is. That's the way it's been for decades now. No, you're right. He's, he's a good kid. I, I hope that he does well, but he was given chances. He was given chances by Mike D'Antoni. He played well at times last year, but... He could never find a way to to keep himself in the rotation. Meanwhile, guys passed him up. Uh, Daniel House came in and he passed him up. Uh, ben McLemore came in this offseason and passed him up. That's just how it is. Uh, you have to you have to have a the, the team has to have a reason to keep you around and to pay you. And going over the luxury tax, I just didn't feel like it was worth it to go over the luxury tax for Gary Clark. And I get that. I get that a hundred percent. Yeah, and, and the logical. You know, argument against that is, well, they could have just kept him for money, and and I get that. Like, I I understand the idea. Like, I'm not defending the logic behind waving him, like because they clearly could have waited if they wanted if they wanted to sign a buyout guy. They clearly could have waited waited to do that, and they didn't. They went. They wanted to do it before the specific date for that specific reason. But yeah, I mean, th- this idea that he's definitely an NBA player, like that's just like that's just not sound to me. Like as you said in the minutes that he got like he wasn't great like he was fine like I know a lot of people point out his advanced statistics like his on off court defensive ratings and like the the three-point shooting he was the three-point percentage he was hitting this year and like I'm sorry like his career three-point percentage still wasn't great you look at his defense in general like we're just like ignoring the on off court statistics like just watching him he's not he's not a great defender he's he's fine he has his moments Uh, he's not I don't think a bona fide NBA defender and I and rebounding wise like like the position he had to fill basically for the Rockets to be to justify keeping him was backup power forward and I don't think it, like that he was I don't think he was a good enough rebounder to to play that ba- that backup power forward position so at that point where do you play him like who who do you play him in front of well here here's the thing I understand why fans defend these type of players right like they have their pet guys in mind every year that they just 
think, oh, Mike D'Antoni's not playing enough. Coach isn't playing enough. This is for every fan base in the NBA. This is just something that happens, right? But in this particular case, like, I don't think this will come back to bite the Rockets. No, in all likelihood, it won't. Um, I hope it does because I'd like to see him succeed because, like I said, I, I, for I like sure. the guy. But, yeah. I mean, there is a reason why he was he was a four-year college guy and he was undrafted, and there was a reason for that. He just wasn't really seen as an NBA prospect, as a real NBA prospect. And the fact that he went from a two-way guy at the start of last year to earning a standard NBA contract, a multi-year NBA contract, and, you know, he was able to get past, you know, the first couple of months of this season, that should be considered a success for the guy. Um, and he's got an opportunity maybe to catch on somewhere else. I, I would say that. Oh, he's exceeded his expectations as an NBA player. We'll see. Like again, well, I, I I wish the best to him, but I don't think the Rockets will lose too much sleep about this decision. But also, if if his guarantee date is a month down the road, he's still probably on the team. So you know, it was all about when the guarantee date was. If the guarantee date were different, then he'd still be here. So that's just it's all about guarantee money at, at this point. For sure. So the Rockets became semi healthy this week. They're still dealing with injuries. It seems like with it looks like Clint Capella's heel is still kind of bothering him. He still has that bruise going on, and he he missed a couple of games uh, here because of that. And it looks like like the Rockets are still going to rest Russell Westbrook on the fr- the front end of these back to backs. Eric Gordon still getting into shape, but the Rockets for the most part have their full roster back. How important is this for the Rockets in terms of getting a rhythm and, and getting things going? Because they have not really hit a huge stride here this season yet. You know, you'd like to see everybody playing at the same time just to see what kind of a team it is. And you'd also like to be able to start running off some wins because you look at where the standings are in the Western Conference and you've got the Lakers sitting at the one spot. But then you've got four teams essentially within a half game of each other for the two seed or for the five seed. And there's a big difference between the two. Uh, you obviously would like to have home court for at least a round and hopefully two, uh, but you just need to see how it looks and you need to see how these guys gain chemistry and you need Mike D'Antoni to have a chance to figure out rotations at some point and he just hasn't been able to have that opportunity. So having it looked like maybe they would and then Capella misses the last game and then Tucker gets hurt in the last game. Uh, so you'd like to have it at some point where they have their full complement of guys, not just for one game, but for maybe a week, maybe two weeks, if that's not asking for too much. Yeah, um, and, and and it really just helps with with like lineup flexibility. Like Mike D'Antoni made Ben McLemore a starter this week, uh, and Daniel House has moved to the backup power forward position. Like, and the reason they did this was because they got their full load of guys back, and and. Uh, and they were in the beginning struggling to get Austin Rivers minutes, and this is a cleaner way to get him minutes. Like now, they can play uh, Eric Gordon and Austin Rivers like very cleanly at those backup guard positions, and they can get um, PJ Tucker uh, some rest here at Daniel House at backup power forward. You couldn't do that with a with a roster that was you know struggling to get healthy. Um, let's go ahead and talk about that change here for a second because I understand why they're doing this. I but I long term I don't and I've I've told you this before I don't believe a lineup with Ben McLemore as a starting smaller forward come playoff time is a recipe for success particularly defensively. I don't think it really matters, um, just because I don't think that his minutes will actually change. I think that he will probably play the exact same number of minutes. They'll just come at different points of the game, but I think more importantly they will come with James Harden and Russell Westbrook together on the floor which will open up some spacing for for Westbrook, especially, and for Harden. So I think that matters right now more than anything. But I want to see how it, how it looks before 
I come to that sort of a conclusion. And I was hoping to be able to see it on Saturday, but then Capella didn't play and Tucker got hurt. So I think that we'll probably get a good look at, at how everything looks on Wednesday once Russell Westbrook is playing and hopefully everybody's able to get through the game against Memphis on Tuesday. But but do you understand where I'm coming from with the defense? Like, because they're already climbing uphill with Westbrook, Harden, uh, starting at the on the floor at the same time. But when you put Mclemore in, it just leaves too many attack points, and the best teams in the Western Conference are gonna have are gonna be able to attack that very easily, especially off the ball. Mclemore tries really hard on the ball. Same thing with Harden. Same thing with Westbrook. With off the ball, those guys together could be disastrous and that that's kind of my worry there like I think this is a fine short-term solution for the regular season but long term what this move tells me is that if they don't have faith in Daniel House to defend adequately and play well enough to be that starting small forward like they're in a little bit of trouble like they they need to find someone to fill those needs I want to see how it looks though before I come to a conclusion and I haven't had a chance to look and see what the plus minus numbers are with the three of them on the floor um but I do think that it's important to be able to to space the floor offensively, and you know the more shots that they make on that end, the better chance their defense has of being effective, uh, just by forcing teams to have to play in the half court a little bit more against them. So I, I want to see how it looks, and, and then we'll go from there. But I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious if they're able to do it against the Lakers. I, I want to see them try it against a good team and see what happens. For sure, and that's going to be a really key matchup coming up. All right, Adam, hold on for one second. Let's go ahead and take a break talk about our friends at Untuck It. Ever seen Untuck Button Down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt that's actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Now I have a weird body type. I'm not fat, but I'm also not skinny and my shoulders are a little bit broad. So it's hard to find shirts that fit me, but thankfully untucked shirts fit me perfectly and they look great untucked. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website's so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. I want to know what you think is going on with Daniel House because he's just been in a in a in a bit of a slump lately, and that might be uh, putting it generously. Like like I, I I think the shoulder is still bothering him. Like what do you think is going on with him? Like the the shooting percentages have been off, and he's been like career wise, he's been a really good three point shooter. Defensively, he hasn't been the same. Like what do you think has been up with him? Like like is it just the shoulder or is it just something else? Something else going on? It's really hard to say. I think with the three-point shooting, maybe he's just going through one of those stretches. That tends to happen with outside shooters. I mean, we've seen Eric Gordon have month-long slumps, and we've seen James Harden have have those slumps. I think that's what's hard about three-point shooting is that it can come and go. Uh, defensively, I, I, maybe teams are attacking him a little bit more. Maybe he's, he's trying to get used to playing more in an NBA system. and um, So it's really hard to say. I'll be honest, I haven't noticed it as much as you have. Uh, you've been on it really for the last couple of weeks about how he's been playing defensively, but uh, I haven't I haven't paid close enough attention to him exactly uh, on the defensive end. It doesn't seem like he's been 
any worse. Uh, to me, I think it feels more like a like uh, I see defense more in in terms of the five guys on the floor. Uh, but you know, it could just be one of those things where he's going through a little bit of a slump, and that happens in a long season. Yeah, and, and I actually do agree with you in terms of the idea of defense is really it really only matters what the five guys on the floor you put out is is doing as a unit. But in terms of the position that he particularly plays, like playing start starting small forward in the NBA is just it's it's no joke. Like it's it's like probably the most important position defensively uh in t- in today's NBA uh since the center was in the 90s. Like it's that important. Like it's like it's basically your modern day rim protector because you're asked to do so many things. You're asked to, to defend the, the best perimeter threat on offense and you're asked to play free safety when you're not when you're off the ball. So like that particular position when you you have to be it's on more it. of a scheme thing though with them just because you're asked to guard essentially everybody you know when when you're switching and he tends to be in the middle of the floor and so you need that middle to to be able to hold up but i know what you're saying yeah yeah and um yeah and, and that lakers game will be interesting in terms of how the rockets fare and the lakers have been I think one of the premier teams in the NBA this year. I mean, and it's not even, I think like they are one of the premier teams in the NBA this year. So it, it'll be interesting to see how the Rockets fare as a whole in that game. But let's talk about Isaiah Hardenstein. Cause we mentioned him briefly when we were talking about Gary Clark, but he's just continuing to roll right now. Like he had 17 points, 15 rebounds, five blocks and two steals in just 26 minutes against Memphis, against Minnesota. Like, do you think the Rockets have figured it, figured out their backup center rotation? Like, do you think he's locked that up? Has he locked it up? It's too early to say, um, but he certainly has earned the right to continue to get those minutes behind Clint Capella. Uh, he's been, he's been good. Uh, he, he's been good defensively, which has been, an issue for him. He's playing with confidence, which also matters. Uh, so I do think that that's been a nice, it's been a nice development this season. The fact that if Clint Capella goes out like he did last year uh, in January, you can actually play a center instead of having to, to, to look for Kenneth Fareed off waivers or just play small. And I do think that Mike D'Antoni wants to have a center on the floor as often as he can. And the fact that that Hartenstein has played well has enabled him to be able to do that over the last few weeks. Yeah, and the the point you mentioned about his defense is pretty key because he had been a guy who you know just he just makes a lot of dumb fouls, right? And that and it's hard to keep someone in the game when they're making a lot of dumb fouls. Like like schematically, like he, like he's not doing anything wrong with the footwork uh, in terms of his rim protection and sliding over to defend guys. Like he's he's pretty sound as a defender for his age. It's just the fouling. Like if he could turn the fouling down, he's actually like a. He has the potential to be a really good backup center in the NBA and uh, potentially even much more when he gets older and starts to get stronger and develops a little bit more. But he, he has just been really good. Like, and, and what's really interesting to me is how much the Rockets, like they're, the Rockets players just rave about him. Like, like Russell Westbrook and James Harden in particular talked about his work ethic on end after that Minnesota game. And, and they talk about how he's always the first guy in the gym and always like the last guy out. And he's always watching all this film and, and working hard with, um, with the trainers to, to improve his floaters, his layups, like what anything he can, he works on. And to me, like that, that's a guy. Um, it, it's just a good story. Isaiah is like a, a classic guy that the Rockets developed in the G League, and is, is finding real, real success with the Rockets, and like is phasing out Tyson Chandler. Uh, 
Like Tyson Chandler was supposed to be the backup center for this team, and Isaiah Hardenstein is went and grabbed that brass ring, and I think that's I just think it's cool. I think that this was what the Rockets were hoping for. I think they were hoping that he would emerge because you they don't want to count on Tyson Chandler, who's pushing forty years old at this point. Uh, so it's a nice development for them, especially when you consider that they ha- they have not really developed a ton of guys in recent years. I mean, you look and it's... Well, they it's haven't pretty, had the opportunity to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what happens when you don't have draft picks, but this is a guy that they actually did draft, and they have developed him over the last couple of years, and you give him credit, he, he did not have an impact at all last year, and he understood that he needed to get in and he needed to work, and he's put the work in, and it's, it's, he's, it's showing on the other end, and he started to turn the corner. Yeah, I just love his motor. Like, this guy just busts his... Every single time he's on the floor, like it, it's it's literally just the fouling. Like that, like, if he can tone that down, like he he's a good NBA player. I, I I firmly believe he is an NBA player. Like and like that, like, if he could if, if he could stay this consistent with the fouling, like he he's a good rebounder, good defender. Like he's I I, I really like him as a prospect. Like five five blocks in twenty six minutes is is stup is stupid. Like that that's that's dumb. And consistency is going to be the key. I know anyone can go and have a good game, two good games, three good games, a good week. But the guys that stick in the league are the guys that can do it for months at a time, not games yeah. at a time. And that's what he's got to prove. He's got to be able to prove that you know he can. He, he the one you don't want to see him become satisfied by the success that he's had the last couple of weeks. He needs to he needs to remain hungry. He needs to keep working and have that carry into next year. And if he's able to do that, then the Rockets have a real player on their hands, which they could use. For sure. So now I want to end on this broader topic because I'm having a tough time figuring this team out. They're very much like the Clippers in that at times you see them at their peak, they're like a freaking buzzsaw, but they don't hit their peak consistently enough. And I remember Russell West were getting a question after that Minnesota game from a friend of the pod, Hunter Atkins uh, of the Houston Chronicle, about how like they're not blowing teams out. And that Minnesota game had been their first blowout in a, in a while. I think their last real like buzzer-to-buzzer blowout was against the Hawks, where Harden just lost his and and scored like 60 points in three quarters or something like that like that was their last buzzer to buzzer blowout and they haven't been doing that really consistently this year that's the that's the thing that separates them from that 65 win Rockets team of a couple years ago there are points with this Rockets team where I could see it like it all comes together and I could say that they they're they're humming as an offense and defensively they're they're consistently allowing their opponents just to be under 100 points like there are moments where I see it but I don't see it enough and much like the Clippers like I I think that's why they're a they're probably a tier two contender and that's why I think like the Bucks and Lakers are like that's why I have those teams ahead of them where have you thought of the Rockets in terms of like contendership this season I I still don't know yet I I want to see how they look against good teams at this point I I don't worry too much about the lack of blowouts. I think it's it's bad and it's not good because, you know, like you see what happened against Atlanta um, last week where they have the big lead at halftime and then they let down a little bit. But I think that's where huge, uh, I think that's where human nature comes in sometimes. And you have to understand that these guys are, are human like everyone else. And when you go when you go in at halftime and you're up 20 something points against a team that really offers no resistance it can be a little hard to come out and and actually you know play hard because the other team just kind of let down and then all of a sudden you know the team that you're playing decides to play with some energy for the first time all night and then you get hit and that's what's hard about being in the NBA 
I want to see how they do against the good teams. I think how they do against the good teams, that shows me more than a second half against Atlanta or a first half against Atlanta. Um, because I just think it's hard to play at a high level for 48 minutes when the team that you're playing doesn't offer a whole lot of resistance. Yeah, and, and they've done actually pretty well against the good teams. It, it's the it's the bad teams that they've been kind of inconsistent with in terms of consistently just beating the brakes off of them. Which And that makes sense, though, because it's a team that has – it's a veteran team. Uh, they have been through a lot of big games before, and so it can be hard to get up for the game in, in April – or excuse me, the game in, in January against a team that is 20 games under five hundred or, or whatever it may be. Um, so I think as a coach – you want to see your guys play hard and play with energy for 48 minutes every single night, but sometimes it's just not possible. Yeah, and w- what I think is really benefiting them is that only two teams have really like separated themselves in the pack. Like I was a big fan of the Clippers going into the season. Like I thought they were gonna, I thought they were the favorites to win the title, but I mean they haven't, they haven't even reached that level consistently as a team. Like they're like the, the tier two is really large right now. We're talking, we're talking Boston, L.A., like, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Nuggets, the the Jazz. Like it's a pretty big tier two they have a chance to be at that t- the top of tier two like we're, we're only talking about the lakers and the bucks that that have really separated themselves like i don't believe in what boston's doing like consistently for in a playoff setting i don't really believe like that the mavericks are one of the best teams in the nba i think they're really good don't get me wrong i think they're a really good playoff team i don't think they're what they're doing right now as in terms of like net rating and point differential like i, I think i think really the two teams that i buy like a lot of stock in right now the Bucks and Lakers, and after that, there's an opening, and I think that's where the Rockets like that. That should be their goal. Right after those team, two teams, we need to be right there. And the standings are just a nut show right now. Like the Western Conference standings are cr- completely crazy. Like they change every single night. Like they they change almost every single night. Like that that Denver LA game, I, I, I expected it to be much more competitive, but like it was like right after the game, like the the Nuggets. <laughs> The, the Nuggets went up to the second seed in the Western Conference and the, the Clippers went down to fifth. Like, that's just the kind of Western Conference we're going to have this year where after the Lakers, like, there's a swath of teams that are going to be competing for that second seed. If they can get that second seed and they can push the Lakers off as, as far as they, they possibly can in the playoffs, like, if they can if they can aim for a Western Conference Finals matchup with the Lakers as opposed to a second-round matchup, like, that's where you want to be if, if you're the Rockets at the end of the season. I just wonder, though, because the Lakers are essentially playing LeBron and Anthony Davis every single night. They aren't load managing, uh, and those guys have been hurt a little bit every now and then. It's cost the Lakers a couple of games here or there. But you bring up the Clippers, and the Clippers are load managing Kawhi, and Paul George has missed some time. The Rockets are load managing Westbrook, and Gordon's missed some time, and Capella's missed some time. So I I think with with at least the teams in the West, because Milwaukee's had some guys hurt, but with the teams in the West – They've just had guys in and out of the lineup, so it's hard to gain some consistency, whereas the Lakers have pretty much had their best guys on the floor available almost every single night. Yeah, and it is notable that ever since Eric Gordon returned, the games with with Westbrook, Harden, and Gordon, they've been really good. Like that, they have been as good as advertised when those two, when those three are all healthy. And, um, and, and, 
I would like to see them like really healthy for a long stretch of games. The problem is Westbrook's got this thing with the back to backs that's that causes some lineup in in like there's not continuity in lineups with with Westbrook missing back to backs. But I understand why they're doing that. It's probably the smart long term strategy. Like managing that knee is definitely something I would prioritize if I was Rockets. I, I wish the Rockets would kind of try and and sneak in a game for Harden here and there. But I. I, Harden is just he, he is just so steadfast and not wanting to miss games. So I I don't think that's, that's ever going to happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Like, I I I do believe that uh, they have another level to reach defensively. Offensively, like you're not going to get much better than third. I mean, you, even if you're first, that's like what one or two points per one hundred possessions better. Defensively, the Rockets have a lot of room for growth. Like they are 15th in the NBA according to Cleaning the Glass. If they can get to top 10. Like that that's all you really need to be for an NBA title. Like over the past 20 years, like top 10 defenses have been good enough. They have 3 points per 100 possessions separating them from the top from from the 10th defense in the NBA. So if they can get to that kind of a level uh defensively, then I'm in. You know, that then I then I think their ceiling is literally uh the NBA championship. Right now, I think they're a tough tough second round out. Uh, possibly conference finalists out, uh, but I I don't really believe in them yet. I I, I would like to see a, an extended winning streak and a streak where they're blowing teams out. That that's where I think I'll, they need to be in terms of like okay, like this is this is a true heavyweight title contender this season. Offensively, they can grow because I think they can shoot it better. Uh, they are bottom third in three-point shooting. That can get better, especially once Gordon is healthy and he gets into his rhythm. Uh, and then defensively, I think they'll be helped out by you know Russell Westbrook just being around a little bit longer, and you know maybe he limits his turnovers. Maybe his turnovers come down a little bit. Uh, that helps your defense. Um, and I just think continuity will help, and people getting more familiar with what Elston Turner is wanting them to do defensively. So I think that's where the growth can come at that end of the floor. The offense will help out, and then just being familiar with what Elston Turner wants them to do uh, helps out as well. And if they do get a buyout guy that is of significance, like, or if they trade for someone that's pretty cheap but pretty good, like if they could trade for like Mark Markeith Morris or Jay Crowder, or someone like that, or if, or if they can get, if they can snag like someone like Marvin Williams or Andre Iguodala off the, off the buyout market. See, Covington's just tough. Like it's just really tough to acquire a player like Covington. Like I, first of all, the contracts alone are just like you're gonna need probably a, th- a three or four team t- trade to, to execute a trade for Covington because the Rockets have, even if you try to get like the five minimum salary guys together, you're going to need players like Green and and Rivers agreeing to the deal because they have no trade clauses. But remember, who was Daryl Morey's assistant GM for a long time? Garrison Rosas. I was I, running the Timberwolves? Garrison Rosas. I am, aware of, I am aware of this fact. I am aware of this fact, but... That Garrison does uh, first and foremost care about the return on any sort of Covington trade. Like he is well, not, he'll get, a, he'll get a first round pick. Remember, the Rockets still have their first round pick for next year. But and okay. shockingly, it hasn't been traded yet. Sure, but again, like that, you're trading five players. Like you're going to be asking, you're going to be asking Garrison to take on four additional roster spots, or you're 
probably going to be asking a third team to be taking on these players. Like it, it, the amount of maneuvering it's it's it, it's going to require would be a lot. And I, I realize that's that's the that's the hot name right now. That's the guy that Kelly wrote about today. And I, I'm sure I'm 100 percent sure that they've made calls out for Covington. I don't think it's very realistic. I think the guys that I listed are a little bit more attainable, like Markeith, like Jay Crowder. Like those are not sexy names, but those are acquirable names. Those are guys who can help you. Those are guys that uh, will probably um, fill in some holes for you on the roster without breaking the bank and without requiring complexity in trades. Yeah, you're you're right, and I'm just looking at at the trade machine just now. It, it really is impossible for them to get. Robert Covington, at least in a two-way deal. But Daryl Morey is creative, and if if anyone could pull it off, he could. And at least right now, he has that asset in the first-round pick to where he can possibly pull it off. And maybe there's a team that sits there and says, you know what, I kind of like this Chris Clemens kid. And actually, although they can't trade him anyways. but uh, so, so it would be difficult. But if anybody could pull it off, it would be the guy who runs the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, and... I, I want to be careful in placing too much doubt on their ability, but I do doubt their ability right now because of just the amount of maneuvering it would take. It, it's just it's just tough. It's it's just really, it gets really complicated. But um, again, you don't you don't need to acquire a guy like that. Like you don't necessarily need to get someone like, like Covington is a high high end player. Like a lot of teams want Covington. Like Covington would improve the title ceiling for virtually every team in the NBA. He's really freaking good. But the Rockets don't necessarily need. That level of defender, they need like a B guy. Like Covington is an A minus kind of defender uh, that can raise your title ceiling by a, a significant am- amount. But if the Rockets can get someone just like, like a B level defender, like Crowder, like Marvin Williams, like Markeith, like that, that'll be enough to me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't really have much else to talk about. It's been a relatively kind of weird week. Like they, uh, the Rockets have uh, blown out some teams. They've had, they've lost some games. Like obviously that OKC game was a little bit of a gut punch, but I I contend that they were pretty tired. That's a back to back. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know that was a game where Harden had had played forty minutes the night before. It, it it was a it was a weird game. It was a weird game, and the emotions and it was it was very non-conducive to a solid win for the Rockets. And I, 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 I'll give them a pass on that one. But that's where Atlanta and what we talked about with not being able to blow out teams where I don't think it matters that much. But letting Atlanta back in that game forced Harden to have to play yeah. 40 minutes and then that, that carries over to the next night. And while I don't think these games matter that much, but you look at the standings and one game in January could be the difference between being the two seed or the five seed. And we saw this last year where they lost a bunch of games that they had no business losing. And instead of being the two seed and, and having a nice, easy second round matchup with Portland or Denver, they had to play the Warriors in the second round. So it doesn't seem like much now, but it could wind up mattering a whole lot when we get into April and May. And it is important that the Rockets are winning a lot of these games where they're barely squeaking out wins, right? Like, I, like last year they weren't doing that, and it put them in a huge hole that they had to climb out of. Like, they're no longer in that hole. They're in a pretty solid position to climb right now if they wanted to. Uh, whereas they had a limited window of time at the end of the season to get a top seed. But they're 26-12. and 12. They could very easily be 30-8. and eight. And when you look at some of the games that they have lost, they probably should be 30-8. and eight. And... Uh, Again, it doesn't matter a ton now, but when you look up in April, it could wind up being important, and it could, in the end, at the end of the day, uh, cost them big. Yeah, no, you're right. Especially if the Rockets like 
Mike D'Antoni actually said this at practice the other day. They want the number one seed in the Western Conference. Like they have their sets, their sights set higher than what uh, a lot of people on the outside realistically expect of them. So if they actually expect that of themselves, then yeah, these games really do matter. Like like the Lakers are just so far ahead, and the reason they're so far ahead is because the Rockets have left some games go. And it's also important to get that one seed just because one through seven in the West is pretty good, and one through seven in the West. I mean, Oklahoma City is six games over 500 at seventh, and then San Antonio is four games under uh, at eighth. So that's a five-game difference between the seventh seed and the eighth seed. Uh, so your matchup, if you're the two seed, is a whole lot different than it would be if you're the one seed. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, and, and it could potentially get you home court advantage all the way up until the finals, right? And th- that that's really where I think the difference in – the first seed and the second seed is really where it's important. It's like you, you get home court advantage all the way throughout. These marginal differences matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, not really much to talk about here this week with the Rockets, but uh, an interesting week nonetheless. Uh, subscribe to the Renditions Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Spolane. Uh, and yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>